0: Hello, and welcome back to the Millennial Ag Podcast, where agriculture is always on tap and no topic topic is off limits. Thanks for joining us this week, your co-hosts, Valine Likely and Catherine Speech. Today's podcast is brought to you by DPH Biologicals. To unharness your soil's fertility to maximize yield, visit dphbio.com. Listeners, welcome back to this week's episode. It is uh, Valine here. Um, I am flying solo this week. Catherine is, um, I think, traipsing around to dairy right now. So she's, she asked if I could um, run this episode this week. And I'm fortunate enough to have my father on the podcast with me, um, Bill Likely, who is a retired banker and now a um, full-time farmer and rancher. So thanks, Dad, for joining us.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure to be here, Valine.
0: Well, let's, I think as I'm watching the snow fall outside my window right now, I think it, you know, Christmas is, Christmas is definitely nearing us and there's only 15 days left in December. And it kind of got us talking and thinking about end of year planning and what, what to kind of plan for next year. So I thought dad, maybe we could talk about a little bit of end of year planning um, and what you do specifically on your operation or what you've advised your past clients or other people you mentor to do. So maybe to get started, what for farming and ranching, what is, what does end of year planning even consist even consist of?
1: Well, I think it's different for everybody. I'll just kind of talk about maybe what I do um, on an annual basis and I'd start by saying I'd probably Look forward to this time of year um, as much as anything because it gives you a chance to reflect back on uh, what's happened over the past year and then start formulating plans for the upcoming year. So um, I, like I say, I look forward to it, and I think uh, I think my challenge is uh, checking in with with some of my uh information and records and so forth uh in the middle of the year so so yeah kind of my uh i guess i look twofold one is uh obviously income tax planning uh seems like that's a big driver of um of our operation not um I wouldn't say a driver, but I think it's it's something that we always keep in mind uh, throughout the year. And and basically, my overall strategy is to pay as much of the lowest bracket of taxes, income taxes, that I can, uh, and then and then look at the next sort of the next brackets up as uh, whether that's um, whether whether we can. Do some manage some income or expenses so that we don't get into those higher brackets while not uh, creating a risk for ourselves of getting ahead of ourselves.
0: So, those I guess just generally those tax brackets, how much of an increase of taxes is it to jump from one level to the next?
1: Oh, it's uh, I don't have the the uh brackets listed out in front of me but i think it you know it kind of goes five ten percent increments uh, as you go up and once you get into the very highest tax bracket it gets uh fairly punitive i think and, and i'm not an accountant so uh i've kind of used cowboy math on uh, a lot of our planning it seems to work out all right we uh um you can kind of make we you know Kind of know where you start from as far as either a cash or a. Uh, either cash or operating balance standpoint. So basically your cash position. And then as a person goes through the years, if you're spending your money on uh, deductible items, you can kind of measure that cash beginning, cash ending is uh, how much. Um, taxable income you'll have. Um, obviously, as you get you have non-taxable stuff you spend money on, and then you have capital assets that are handled differently than, than just operating expenses. But um, from a, from a cowboy math standpoint, I guess that's a, um, a, a good way to, that I try to keep track of it. Um, I guess backing up, yeah, the, the, the brackets, uh, obviously the first one's the lowest. And then as you, as you hit the next bracket the next bracket, it just taxes that incremental additional income on the higher bracket. So it's not like it takes all your income to a higher bracket, just, just the next sort of uh, group of their range of dollars there. So, so the, and the idea is, you know, if, if your income's uh, real volatile year to year, the, if you have a windfall year, you hate to pay the highest bracket on it, and then next year have kind of break-even year that um, that you don't want to pay any taxes. Whereas if you could kind of level that out, that you would sort of pay a consistent tax level all the way along. And the you know if you feel good about the profitability of your operation generally, then uh, keeping some cash in your in your business that you think you can get a better return than, um, you know, over, instead of laying out, say you could save 10,000 in taxes for, for the next 20 years till you're retired or something, then uh, a return on that 10,000 for the next number of years would certainly, certainly pay pay to push it ahead.
0: Well, and it's, you know, if you're only a couple thousand dollars away from another tax bracket or something, making sure that you're not, I guess if you're only taxed on whatever's over, it probably doesn't make a huge difference, but just trying to be consistent year after year is probably more of a goal than anything. Yeah,
1: I think, I think so. And like, say you, uh, it's, it's just good management of your, of your wealth. If you can, uh, uh, reduce that tax bill as a cost, and keep that cash in your operation growing. And you know, it's it's sort of how the tax code was written. It's it's written to encourage business people to continue reinvesting in their business and in the economy, and so that helps grow grow the economy. So it's it's uh, it's not like you're playing games, so to speak. You're just uh, you know working as the code was intended to to encourage entrepreneurs to continue to, to uh, make investments in the business.
0: So it's not like it's a secret or you're skirting the tax code by looking at your numbers and maybe investing, purchasing something else in the next two weeks rather than.
1: kicking. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, that's, I think that's real. And I think, you know, once you get down to the, fine fine items that you know you do you do make those decisions whether to move income from one year to the next but uh, in the end it's 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 all about uh, um, managing that as a sort of a business expense and then um, taking care not to uh, create undue risk for your business trying to push taxes ahead and I think that's certainly a trap that a lot of people can get into. Uh, my my philosophy's always been you need to pay need to pay taxes on the money you live off of, and uh, for the most part, principal payments on debt that you make. Um, if you if if your debt is on real estate and that's not you know that doesn't have a lot of improvements, and that's going to be pretty much all that principal payment. If if it's principal payments on a deductible asset, then then uh, as long as your debt and the asset life's matched up, you shouldn't you shouldn't have to uh, pay too much of you know too much of the tax on the principal either.
0: Cool. Well, I think that's a great break for us to thank our sponsors. Um, looking for an alternative to starter fertilizer, DPH Biologicals offers a competitive alternative for broad acre crops without sacrificing yield. Refined across millions of acres, TerraTrove combines microbes, plant extracts, and algae to offer the most complete biofertility solution available. To unharness soil fertility and maximize yields, visit dphbio.com to learn more. So, You've thrown out a lot of big terms that I'm kind of sort of familiar with, but I don't know if um, listeners are necessarily um, familiar with or, or just to unpack them a little bit. You've mentioned depreciation and you've mentioned deductible. Can you maybe help us understand what each of those are as, we, as we're identifying our planning strategies?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and I again, I'm not an accountant, so I wouldn't want anybody to take this as any kind of advice. But uh, good discussion to have. So basically, deductible on on your tax form, you know, there's there's listed out uh, seed, feed, fertilizer, um, gas, oil, and grant, those kind of things. So if there are expenses that sort of went into building the your operating expenses for the year within your business typically those are deductible. Um, when it comes to depreciation, that's sort of a scheduled expensing of certain assets that that will re, um, lose value over time, and the IRS has schedules for those that may or may not, you know, match. Maybe it's a a tractor that many people might use for 20 years, but you can expense it off through depreciation over five years. So um, so that's just a way of, of uh, again, encouraging uh, businesses to invest in, in uh, production capital type assets. So, um, and, again as planning goes that's one area where if there is a new purchase uh there is a uh to call section 179 where you can take uh, a big chunk in one year and not uh, go out over the normal schedule and uh, those are some of the decisions you make maybe that's kind of one we use after when we get all said and done, actually doing our taxes, our accountant will give us some options of how you want to treat those sort of after the fact. So that's, uh, that gives us a little bit of cushion if we don't hit it right on the head.
0: So what kind of things I guess are depreciatable, you know, is land, is cattle, is equipment?
1: Yeah. So land typically is not like the bare land is not depreciable. Uh, any fences or uh, improvements, irrigation equipment is so. There's um, that typically gets set up when the asset's purchased. So if you bought a million-dollar farm and you went in and said, "Well, we think two hundred thousand of it is depreciable type stuff," then only that two hundred thousand would go in your depreciation schedule, and the land would would not. So uh, Again, if you're making debt payments on it, then um, you sort of have to create that income to make that principal payment on the land that's not depreciable. So you, you kind of just have to know that's going to be a cost of ownership on a piece piece of land. Um, when it comes to any kind of equipment, uh, tractors, discs, balers, uh, those are depreciable. Uh, production livestock's depreciable, so you can as you buy cows, you can depreciate those. Um, yeah, so that's uh, that's kind of how the capital side of the tax deal works.
0: And then the like deductibles. What are some examples of like deductibles that are different than depreciation?
1: Depreci- de- oh, like say, <laughs> just you go out and buy your seed at the beginning of the year. Of, that's an expense. Uh, that's deductible, uh, your power bills, your your gas, diesel, uh, insurance, those kind of things. There's lots of, uh, when you get into, say, utilities, you start having to look at what's uh, personal utilities and what's farm utilities. But generally, anything, it, any expenses that it takes to run your farm or ranch are um, deductible. And then any revenue you get from what you sell is revenue. So that's, uh, that's the basics, I guess. And and I guess I would say, you know, there again, that's something a person needs to keep track of as you're going along through the year and not wait till this time of year and run through and go, oh, my gosh, I, I uh, for whatever reason, maybe I got last year's. Check for my week in January, and I sold this year's hay crop this year, so I'm doubled up on income. And now, what am I going to do? So, that's uh, time is always your friend uh, if you keep up with it. And uh, and if you get to this time of year and you're behind the eight ball, it's uh, pretty hard to fix.
0: So what are some strategies, I guess, going through the year that you use to stay on top of some of this? You know, is it the software you use to plug in numbers? Is it spreadsheets? Or how do you and your operation manage
1: these kinds of yeah, things? Yeah, again, we just, we're QuickBooks people, but uh, it certainly can be just keeping track on uh, the old paper ledger if, if it still a few people do that i think it's important to know as you keep track of that is this income going to be you know normal income or capital capital gains maybe and then is this are these expenses we try to break out what's uh that was normal deductible expenses versus living so you don't want to you don't want to throw all your living expenses into the business expense side thinking that uh those are not going to be or those will be deductible you know so you know we try quarterly to six months in there to kind of see how things are starting off because we ended up we we typically get income 12 months out of the year and and it seems like it's waited early in the year and then um and then probably fall you know kind of october in there so so if a person can kind of get through that big wash at the first of the year and uh, you got a lot of your expenses going out through for six months, then kind of get an idea where where you're headed from there. I think that's really important. And, and again, depending on if you're, you know, if you're just operating out of cash, it's a little bit easier to keep track of. If your checkbook goes up, it's uh, probably because you're creating taxable income and if it's going down you're probably um very well maybe uh not having a taxable event you know Mm -hmm. usually if you're keeping reinvesting your business uh you know the, the what you get taxed on is what comes out as cash which makes it uh challenging for for businesses, but AG is lucky lucky we're on the uh, cash basis on tax returns. So a lot of businesses have to stay on an accrual, do on the accrual basis. So they, they can't do too many things at the end of the year to manage tax liability.
0: So if you're, so some AG operations have um, like an operating loan or have pulled out a loan to purchase something to get started. Does that affect taxes at the end of the year? Does that play a role in? in yeah, not
1: really. Um, and I guess in my banking career, that was one thing that probably trapped a few people was uh, they they thought, well, if I say they came into the first of the year with the uh, a balance on their operating loan if they paid it to zero then they thought they kind of in their mind that was an expense that they paid off but the expense isn't created when you pay your loan back your expense is created when you when you buy whatever you borrowed the money to buy so that's sometimes that gets kind of it's easy to get lost and well if i don't have any money then i must not have created any income but if you paid down debt whether it's operating debt or any other kind of debt that that's paid for with after tax money. So that, so that can sure get you in trouble. The interest, the interest you pay is deductible, but not the repaying the principal. So
0: Okay. Cause then it'd be like, I say, you bought it, you got a loan to buy the tractor. Well, the tractor itself's depreciable. Yeah. But when I go back to pay my loan, I've already depreciated the tractor. So I can't take that same money.
1: Yeah. That'd be it
0: from my double
1: dipping, you know,
0: income again yep so i guess in addition to this tax planning now for this year is there anything people should be also aware of as they're going through this process for
1: next year yeah i think um i didn't like to say i think that's the fun part this time of year i start just making or asking myself making sure i know where my inventory's uh set where you know what the quantity is and start thinking about how to value them so in our case we have uh feeder cattle and so uh, just going back and double checking that our head counts are correct and starting to look at what weights they're gonna be at after they've been on feed for 60 or 90 or so many days um so i think that's uh kind of getting set up i'm a I've always been a big proponent of doing a balance sheet right on December 31st. And, uh, and I think that's one thing any producer that's in business, uh, serious about their business, I think it just makes all the difference in the world to have a December 31st balance sheet. So uh, it's a lot easier to just start gathering that stuff up ahead of time rather than waiting till middle or into January and then trying to go back and remember what you had, um, uh, two or three or four weeks ago. So I think that's important. I think you can start, obviously you start planning, which everybody does in their head of what's what they're going to do next year. And, um, whether it's crop rotation or cattle numbers, buying, selling, whatever. And, um, I think in that process, again, like it does, play back into tax planning because if you say well i'm gonna um we we took our took some fields that were in uh, an annual crop that we were getting paid in january and we're gonna put them in hay that's gonna be green chopped and paid every couple months you can all of a sudden put yourself in a double two years income in one year you know so as you kind of go through that production planning it plays into business planning as well. And that's, uh, that, that can change maybe some decisions or maybe how you negotiate a contract or something like that. So I think the other thing, it's never too early to start looking at marketing plans and, and, uh, you know, tracking the futures and maybe you want to start tying in some prices now. And so you can take a little now and wait three, four or five months, take a little more. So it's uh, yeah, it's just great great time to to be doing that when you're not hopefully not quite as busy as as you are in the middle of the farming season or calving season or uh, something like that.
0: A great snowy day activity for sure. Yeah.
1: If you're milking cows, it's probably not the best time of the year.
0: But. <laughs> or chopping water or thawing.
1: Yeah, mm. yep. Yeah.
0: So what I guess for somebody that's maybe just started out or has jumped into a new endeavor endeavor what resources are available for them to help with with some of this because there's it can be overwhelming if it's if there's yeah. a lot going on
1: yeah there's lots and there's lots of resources you know i think a uh, good conversation with an accountant that that's recommended from maybe somebody in a similar business and i think it's important that If you're an ag business, you go to an accountant that knows a lot about ag, uh, agriculture. Uh, it's, it is unique to, versus a lot of other businesses. And, uh, so I think that's a great resource. I think, uh, you know, lenders, operating lenders are a good, uh, resource. I, I think that's oftentimes a good sort of, um, I want to say almost opposing opinions that you can, you can bounce back and forth. The accountants always, typically, accountants are a little more aggressive about wanting to manage that tax liability, and lenders are always scared you're gonna. They they tend to tend to encourage producers to pay, just kind of let the chips fall where they may and pay whatever the tax bill is for that year. So. Um, having sort of a one on either side of that argument I think is really healthy um, and after that I think just you know talking to other other folks that do kind of what you do and uh, and kind of see where they get their their advice and their information and even asking you know them themselves that you know how how they look at this whole business of tax uh, tax management because it is in my mind if you're it, it's you know it's probably equally as important to your business as as uh finding the right fertilizer blend or the right brashing or whatever so i think it's it's worth spending some time on and again it plays into that whole planning process if you can start early you're going to have a lot more options to work with than wait until the end of the year, or worst case, waiting until your tax return taxes are due and finding out you've got some issues to deal with.
0: Well, I think this is a great time to um, get another message from our sponsor. Looking for an alternative to start starter f- fertilizer? DPH Biologicals offers a competitive alternative for broad acre crops without sacrificing yield. Be sure to check out our interview with DPH Biologicals to learn more about their competitive bio biofertility platform Terratrove to unharness soil fertility and maximize yields. Visit dphbio.com to learn more. Well dad, thank you so much for coming on. What additional words of wisdom or um additional advice do you want to leave listeners with today
1: oh i just think uh like i said hope everybody figure out how to enjoy what they're doing and and, then just planning and so forth stuff should be fun and and uh going back and seeing how you did compared to where you hope to be and if it you know if it kind of just feels overwhelming or a blur then i think finding the right people to kind of walk walk you through that can really help. But other than that, I just wish you and all your listeners a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year.
0: Well, thanks again for joining us. And we thank you listeners for tuning into this week's episode of the millennial ag podcast. If you have questions, comments, feedback, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also email us at talk to us at until next week. We are millennial ag.